Welcome to Bible Fellowship Church's Sunday Morning Messages. Our podcast records a Sunday morning sermon from our pastor, Dr. Don Trust, other church leaders, and special guests. We hope you enjoy it, find it inspirational and enlightening to your understanding of the Bible. Life can be hard, but God has revealed Himself to us through the Word for our salvation and growth as believers. To help support our ministry, please consider becoming a subscriber and financial contributor. Links to donate are on our website at bfcforyou.org. Anybody um, catch um, the theme of the music today? Is there a common topic that seemed to float from song to song and to song? Holy Spirit, right? And so we appreciate that, Deanne. And your wonderful daughter for bringing up that music for our time of reflection and worship and sing along before the service, before the sermon time. We appreciate that so much. Our topic today, though, our teaching today from the scripture is not about the Holy Spirit. I'm going to begin by going to Mark's Gospel, chapter 10. You can see it up on the screen there, or you can look it up. And verses 13 to 16. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. And when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belong the children of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms, and he blessed them, laying his hands on them. Heavenly Father, we come before your throne of grace uh, recognizing, Lord, this very special time where little Estella, she's begun this marvelous life journey. And uh, we pray, Lord, that you would be with her each step of the way, that you would give uh, uh, mom and dad, to give the parents, those who have the oversight of this little one, the wisdom that they need, the courage that they need, the heart that they need to raise this little one in the Word of God and to pray for her salvation and to walk before her and live before her as graciously and uh, as they possibly can to be an example to her what it means to be loved by the Lord. We thank you so much, Lord, for uh, the potential that's here. There's a life ahead for these three that can be very sweet and very precious. We acknowledge that before you, but we also seek, Lord, your help, your guidance, your strengthening uh, in, in every aspect of that. In short, Lord, we dedicate Estella, but we also dedicate uh, her parents. We dedicate those who have the charge of raising them, raising this little girl up into your hands, asking, Lord, for your best and for your blessing uh, in every way, that over time, over the years that lie ahead in their lives, that uh, we can continue to hear of the blessing of the Lord upon this little girl and upon her family. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we read the Scripture here, and uh, this is unusual, that, uh, and Scripture records it, records it here in, in Mark's Gospel, also in Matthew's Gospel, where uh, moms and dads thought that it was necessary that they bring their little ones, and I'm sure it was six-month-olds, maybe even one-year-old or even two-year-old, maybe even three-year-olds, and moms and dads thought it's so important, so necessary that they bring their little one to where Jesus was so that he could bless them, so that he could pray over them, so that he could be with them. And uh, 
You know, when it says here that they were bringing children to him that he might touch them, his disciples rebuked him. You know what they were saying? we got too much going on. Life's too busy. We don't need to take this time to fool with these young parents and their small children. And Jesus said, hold on. He says, this is really what I'm about. I'm about young moms, young dads, and their little ones learning how to live life in such a way that it honors and pleases the Lord. And so he rebuked them. That would have meant Jesus said, you be quiet. Stop it. Let these little children come unto me so that we can do that. And I wondered what it meant here when it says, bring them to them so that he could touch them. And uh, at my house, um, when uh, Tirza and Lucas come to our house, you know what happens? They drive up. Okay, the door opens up. Tirza runs around, gets them out of the car seat and everything. She picks them out. And when she turns around, there are three uncles and a grandpa and a grandma like this, as if they're the ones he, he's going to go to. And when we get that little guy in our arms, we hug him, he hugs us back, and the sweetest thing is for him to pat us on the back, pat us on the back like that with his little hand. And so I think there's something very important, I think there's something very important in the fact that as little babies need contact with parents and with uncles and aunts, uh, it's so important that we have a little one has this contact. Also, the fact that moms and dads are sitting in church, they have their little ones with them. There's something about a child sensing that mom and dad see that the things of the Lord are so important that they're willing to come and do what they need to do. It's so fun to watch them. The Davis kids are not here, but over the years, those little ones have been growing up. And it's, and it's interesting. I can almost, I can almost call it little ones being a little fussy like that. The rest of us are saying, that sounds so sweet. That's just music to our ears. And what's the mom doing? Be quiet, be quiet. Don't disturb anybody. Don't disturb anybody. And so that's kind of the way that goes. So he took them in his arms. I think he hugged them like this. And I think they melted in his arms. And I think he prayed over them. I think he, he prayed for them. And I was thinking as I was praying, uh, preparing for this this week, I wonder what happened to each one of those children. I wonder if it was a dozens or hundreds over a period of three and a half years that he had had the privilege of holding and uh, praying over and blessing. Y'all sing along. That's music, right? <laughs> and uh, and I, I wonder what happened to them. Think about it. Jesus himself held those little ones in his arms and he prayed. He asked for the Father's blessing upon them. Wonder what their lives look like. Wonder what difference that would have made. But I, I think probably it is as much the children was the reason why he prayed, but I think also it was the moms and dads. And so what I'm saying is, is that when Christopher gave me a, gave me a call and then we texted and went back and forth, you know, for, for him to say, there's this beautiful little child, Estella, and said, we would like to have an opportunity to publicly say as those who have the oversight, the you know, parenting this little one, that uh, we, we want the Lord's blessing, we want His help in this endeavor. And I think that's what the Lord sees as much as He sees the child, or He saw even in that day. Think about it. Moms can be pretty aggressive with their little ones, can't they? Can you imagine a mom with a six-month-old or one-year-old trying to get her way in there so she could let Jesus hold her baby? huh? And can you imagine her pushing Peter? Peter is probably a big old boy anyway elbowing him and his 
you know, his ribs or whatever, and trying to get on in there so that she could be close to Jesus. And I, I, I imagine that Jesus saw, uh, saw her faith, uh, saw her determination to do that which would be best for her child, which would be to get her into the presence of the Lord Jesus himself, to have him actually hold her baby and pray over her baby. I think that mom and, and the dads too that were involved in that, I think Jesus recognized that dynamic. And I think Christopher is contacting me this week. I think that that expression was incredibly honorable in a young man to say that in this endeavor, in this process of raising this child, that we, we need the hand of the Lord. We need, we need his strength. We need his wisdom. We need the resources because she is of value. She is a treasure. She means more to us than just about anything else in this whole world could possibly be. And we recognize that we need help. We need resources that may be beyond us. And we know that we can come to the Lord and that he can supply those. So that's what I read into your text, okay? And that's true, isn't it? Honorable meeting with the Lord there. And uh, in a sense, I imagine when Jesus was in that day, it might have been, it might have been dads that said, give me that child. <laughs> All right, mom, follow me. And plunging on in through those disciples and the crowds that were gathered to get on in there. And the wife following behind and saying, thank you so much, thank you so much. And then getting there and delivering this child in, into Jesus. And, and their eyes and their faces just glowing, realizing that they, had, they are doing the very best that they could possibly do for their child. They knew that. They were convinced of that. I think Jesus saw that faith. I think he saw that, that and honored it. And I think he does so today with parents. When parents humbly come before the Lord and say, Lord, you know, this is the greatest endeavor that I could possibly have in life, worth more than career, it's worth more than, you know, where you live, it's worth more than possessions, it's worth more than anything else. That this little one that you have, that you have gifted us with, that we have this incredible privilege and opportunity to share life with this little one. Maybe on in adulthood. You know, I have a, a daughter that's here today and she's not six months old. And, um, but my, did it go so by so fast. And now she's a mom with her own two year old and she's going to have another baby in January, another little troublemaker boy. Okay. And, uh, it's exciting. It's thrilling. It's amazing to my wife and I as we, uh, from a distance, you know, observe and participate you know, in their lives. And I can tell you, honestly, and Inga would agree with me that there's nothing that we treasure more than our children and our adult, and our adult children as they begin to move out on their own. And we see them, for the, for the boys, manning up, you know, and for the girls stepping forward and saying, we want the very best for our family. And we know that's going to be in following the Lord. So what Jesus told them then, he said, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter into it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. But the idea that spirituality, walking with the Lord, our Christian lives after we come to the Lord, is very much like that of a child. And this little child, I mean, she, she needs her mama, doesn't she? Actually, a little, a little child needs moms and dads, but she needs, she, I mean, this is sweet as it can be. 
And there's a sense in which a new believer, someone that's only come to the Lord recently, uh, that they need the help and assistance of moms and dads or brothers and sisters in the Lord. That's what the local church is about. Some, some folks call their church a membership. We call our church a family because it's filled with aunts and uncles, brothers and sisters, as well as moms and dads. I'm going to transition over here. Here is a, an explanation of a baby dedication. But a baby uh, dedication is a special time wherein the parents of the child publicly pronounce their willingness to raise their child in the Word of God, to pray for the salvation in the Lord, and to live a life of faith and godliness before them to the best of their ability, the best ability that God gives them. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. So I'm picking up a of some instruction regarding family relationships. He's already talked about uh, moms and dads as husbands and wives and uh, how important it is for husbands to cherish their wives, to love their wives even as Christ loved the church, and for, uh, for the wives uh, to, be, to partner with their husbands, to come alongside and give them the support and encouragement that they need to be, to be a success in life. A man needs to be able to look at his wife and say, I know she's got my back. I know she's on my team. I don't, the last thing that a husband needs, even though he may deserve it, is a thrashing with the, with the tongue, right? The last thing that a man needs is for a woman to continually harass him and beat him up and down and just give him the impression that he is, cannot do anything right. Uh, that's, that is not the proper role of a wife in relationship to her husband. A wife is to come alongside. A husband should feel like his wife can talk to him openly and honestly and even with criticism, but she but knows that she has no ill intent. She's not doing it out of bitterness or anger or resentment. And so he's talked about these things. He's talked about the role of a husband. You know, if a husband should love his wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, that's a sacrificial love. That's a love that puts his wife at the top and says everything else is second. And it's not just words that are said, but it's in the actions that are taken. And it's my experience in our church congregation here that I know a number of husband-wife relationships that, that are following that model uh, consistently, not perfectly. So one of the advantages of a church family and building relationships here is you begin to see how people do this. You also realize that, that sometimes all of us don't do it right. Okay. So, and by the way, that's, to me, that's an encouragement. If I see somebody perfect, I say, I can never do that. But if you see somebody that's moving in the right direction, but they have ups and downs, you're thinking, I can do that. I can, I can move beyond. I can be better tomorrow or better today than I was yesterday. I can continue to make progress. And a church family is like that. And so uh, the fifth chapter, uh, Paul took uh, went to great lengths uh, to set the boundaries to give the the, the guidelines and the crux of what it means to be a husband and wife because that's the foundation, you see, for a child to grow up and to be all that it can be before the Lord. Uh, a little girl especially uh, needs a dad, I'm telling you. They really do. They need their mom too, by the way, obviously. But the influence of a dad upon a little girl's life is just astronomical. I mean, there are other influences that are needed as well. Um, you know, grandparents and all, you know, all kinds of things going on. But, but to have a man in a little girl's life 
that's that's strong for her, uh, that ha- that's courageous for her, that's willing to uh, sacrifice and do what's do what's necessary in order to protect her so that she can thrive and do well. That's the best thing that a little girl can ever have. You know, if it was a little boy, I'd be saying the best thing that a little boy could have would be his mom. You know, because just something about little boys and their mom is so important. And I would say that the best thing then that a that a man can do for his wife or for the mother of his children, boys and girls, is to love them. If a man loves and cherishes his wife, the impact and influence of that upon uh, the children, whether it be little boy or little girls, is just uh, you just can't measure it. It just goes on and on. Um, and so that's why young couples, I mean, you're in the moment. It just seems like this is going to go on forever. There's to be conscious of the need that your children have for your relationship as husband and wife to be all that it can be. That the, being conscious of that and, and protecting that and building for that is the very best thing you can do for your children. And if Estella was old enough to understand me, I'd say, little girl, I need to tell you something from the scriptures, from the Bible. Children are to obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with promise. And what he means by that, honor your father and mother, this is the first commandment with promise, that comes from the book of Exodus. Let me read the rest of them, verse 3. That it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Blessing upon your lives is linked toward uh, honoring your father and your mother, and when he says that's the first commandment with promise because it follows the Ten Commandments where it says, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt whatever. Well, then there's this one. Children, obey your parents and God will bless your life. Uh, why is, and so I would say that the first role that you have as mom is to teach your little girl to be cooperative, okay? To work with mom, all right? To uh, obey is kind of an archaic word or whatever, but... You know, you 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 got to get along with your parents, and one reason why that's so important is that, you know, I got the small children here in the church. Tears is the only one I I really work close with, but I love to see Lucas do a meltdown. You know, when he flops down on the floor, you know, just a little bit like that, and I love to see the way Mama handles it. Sometimes she just ignores it. He looks up, said, "Mama ain't paying attention." So he may do a little bit more, and after a while, he said, "Okay, I might as well forget that and get on up and and move on." But uh, to see to see the way that moms, especially, work with their children, uh, trying to teach them to obey. Why is this so important? Because when a child reaches the age of 13, 15, 21, 25, one of the things they're going to need to do is to exercise. They're going to be they're going to need to obey themselves. In other words, you may want to start doing something or stop doing something. And you've made that decision within your own mind that this is the right course of action for your life. If your parents have done their job and teaching you the skill of saying no to yourself, okay, and saying yes in the right direction, then when you become an adult, when you become a man or woman, you'll be able to move in the you'll be able to move in the right direction because you decide to do so. You won't have to be fighting yourself all the time. You won't have to say, you won't say, I'm trying, oh, I can't, I failed. Oh, I'm trying, I failed. You will be able to have the inner resources, the, the character, uh, the integrity, the commitment uh, to be able to do the right thing because you can. Sometimes people come to me and they want some advice. They want some help. And they say, I want so much to live the right kind of life or to move in a different direction. 
And I will decide to do that, but then after a while I lose interest in that or I get, I get sidetracked into something else. And I say, well, shame on your mama. She must have catered to you. She must have enabled you as you were going up because you don't have the strength of, of personality and character. Now, I, I don't really tell people that, but I'm, I'm emphasizing my point here. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, you may be hamstrung. You may be hampered and hindered because you never, as your parents, your parents did not come alongside and say, you need to stop doing that. And if they say, why? Well, these are some good reasons. And they say, well, I don't agree with those reasons. Well, it doesn't matter. Okay, we're going to stop doing that or we're going to start doing this. And a child can't make themselves do that. So if you help them, you encourage them, enforce as you need to their ability to follow through on those things that you ask them to do. As an adult, they'll be much happier, be much more complete and fulfilled. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. What is the what is the one thing? What is the one command from the scripture that the Lord has given you to obey? Yeah, I mean it's the only one. He says, I mean that's so cool. He says, don't worry about anything else. Just get this one right as you grow up. Okay, obey your parents, which is mom and dad, right? And ho- and mom and dad are on the same page. Dad's loving mom, mom's you know, cooperating with dad, they're, they're, they're the right kind of spiritual team. So it, it makes it more likely that you will obey. You will want to obey. Do you ever find that a challenge? Find that difficult? Find that sometimes mom says this and you're thinking, yeah, we'll see. Or dad says, you know, don't do this. And you're thinking, okay. And then you go off and mess up. Okay. Understand that scripture says as a family, the thing that your assignment is, is to work more and more in saying no to yourself. When yourself says, I'm going to disobey, say, no self, I'm going to, I'm going to do this because it's, it, it will help me when I become an adult to be able to do the right thing. Does that make sense? Okay. Okay. So from this point forward, your job in life is to what? Obey your parents and, uh, uh, children obey your parents in the Lord. Why? It's just the right thing to do. I like verse three. It says that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. And of course, that's Israel, and some of it has an emphasis there. And so there's this idea that things will go well, better for you as a child if you do that. Verse 4, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. I'm going to give a definition of those two words, and then we're going to move on to the baptism. When it says here, fathers, it doesn't say mothers here. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Does this mean that if your children get angry with you, they disagree with you um, that that you are in the wrong as a father? Not necessarily. Fathers do not provoke your children to anger. Sometimes children and uh, moms and uh, or dads and sons or dads and daughters may come to the point to where um, um, there's a there's a problem there. But do not provoke your children to anger. Don't feed that. Don't let it fester. Don't be the reason why they get embittered toward you know everybody and everything. Fathers, do not provoke. Do not be the reason why. By the things that you have said or by the, to them or by something that you've done, don't be the reason why they become frail, because they become weak, they become unable uh, to know and appreciate uh, the affection and the confidence and the pride of a father. Fathers should know above any. A child should know. A son should know. And a daughter as well should know above anything else uh that their uh, that their dad is proud of them 
everyone else may turn against them. But a son or a child should know that no matter who turns against them, dad's still going to be there for you. And you may be able as a father to be able to correct or say something, but if somebody else says something nasty about them, dad needs to step in. Dad needs to step in and say, that's enough of that. Fathers do not provoke your children anger, but bring them up in the discipline. And I had to look that up because in different English versions, it means different things. But the discipline, fathers do not provoke your children, but instead bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The, the word that comes from the Greek discipline means training in accordance with proper rules for conduct and behavior. All right. Dad has to have rules. Right. And so uh, it's important that uh, that dad has these rules and these instructions and enforces them. And then the word that's translated instruction of the Lord, uh, this is exhortation, encouragement, which leads to correct uh, behavior and belief. Thank you for listening to the Sunday message. We hope your understanding increased and maybe discovered one or two things you can use to improve your relationship to God and to fellow believers. If you aren't a member of a local church, we invite you to come check out Bible Fellowship Church.